cliffcentral.com. Mr. Cornish, how are you, sir? Bonjour. Bonjour to you. Are you well? I'm ex- exceedingly well. Any better, I'd have to tell the cops. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry on that note that you. I know you had big plans for New Year's Eve, and now you're going to have to postpone them because we're not allowed to party until 12 on New Year's Eve. <laughs> so, JJ, um, let's get into it this morning. There's always lots to talk about on this fascinating continent. I, I, my, I, yes. yes. No, no, go ahead. Well, we have, no, we have, uh, 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 you were talking about New Year's Eve. The best New Year's Eve I ever spent was in Paris. And mm. so uh, uh, they, they, they do it very well there. And yep. I'm not going to be able to do it this year. I'm not getting on a plane. No matter how uh, sanguine you might be about it, I'm just not going to do that. No, I think it's sensible. I actually have two people, very close friends, currently close to death because of COVID. So I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a skeptic. I'm not a COVID skeptic at all. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm tired of getting these messages. Do you know a single person with COVID Do you believe, who say it is just a hoax? You know, it's the antithesis of what you've been saying. It's there. It's real. We've got to deal with it. You take a view that sounds very much like the Swedes, and they're having second thoughts now. You know, the whole point, and, you know, I'm the greatest exponent of that phrase you used earlier, we don't know. Yeah. And until we admit that we don't know, we're never going to learn to know. Yeah, but you, you get anyway. you get the people who say, um, you know, I, I know, I know three or four people who are dying of COVID or who have died of COVID, and we all hopefully have have the compassion and the empathy to be able to understand that that is a very difficult thing for someone to go through, especially if it is someone close to you. But I'm also tired of those people who say to you that that is some form of evidence because it's purely anecdotal. I mean, if you know someone who's got a club foot, that doesn't mean that we all need to be afraid of developing club feet somewhere in our lives. It's, it's just as anecdotal and pointless. It doesn't necessarily provide evidence that things are worse or or better than governments say they are. And I think you have to just look after yourself. If you think you're vulnerable, then do the right thing. You know what to do. Human beings have survived pandemics before. History is replete with stories of how we pulled through like cockroaches as a species every time that nature has thrown something at us. And I think this will be the same. So let's get into Africa. Which is which is why, hmm. which is why I'm going to be looking at my Trexikov prints at midnight. <laughs> On New Year's Eve, and uh, not the Tour Eiffel. <laughs> oh, Trechikov Prince, I love it. Okay, JJ, let's talk about what's going on on our continent. We've spoken uh, a few times now about northern Nigeria and Boko Haram, and I saw that there was a uh, there was a lot of violence there in the in the course of the last week. So tell us quickly what's been happening there, and what Mohamedou Buhari's well, uh, people can and can't do. Doing for violence in northern Nigeria, what uh, I think in Kozazana Dlamini Zuma is doing for our health, you know, <laughs> uh, which is talk about it and not getting a great deal done. We have uh, uh, on Friday night these uh, Fulani, uh, th- this is ethnic in northern Nigeria, remember the north now in Katsina province, uh, state, and not northeast, which is where Boko Haram uh, uh, is operational. We have uh, th- in August, we had 40 children uh, and 40 people held for ransom. This is, seems to be the same sort of thing. These people arrived on motorbikes firing into the air. Hmm. Uh, a school, a scientific secondary school, 800 pupils. Many of them fled into the bush. 
but at least 333 have been held. Now, their parents have taken to this and saying, get our children back. There hasn't been any ransom demand yet, but uh, this is the biggest abduction by these so-called bandits. Uh, they They were found or they were traced to a forest and uh, uh, there was firing and shooting. One of them killed, a policeman injured. But the fact is, Mohamedou Bahari, who was, this is his home state, his Katsina state, and he was on holiday 200 kilometers away. He's saying, don't worry, we will find them. But nothing has happened. Remember that uh, in in uh, Chibok, which was 2014, a yeah. hundred girls taken in Chibok are still missing. Yeah. So he hasn't done anything about that uh, or hasn't certainly hasn't done enough. We have 21 people killed in Borno State. This is by Boko Haram, also at the weekend. So that whole area is just out of control. Mm. Well, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to be spending Christmas in northern Nigeria, um, despite all of our protestations about what, what we have to deal with. But there are other things going on which are equally concerning in, in, in different parts of Africa, and I'm talking particularly about Morocco and the Western Sahara, because that's been an ongoing situation, I mean, since time immemorial, but, but very much it's come to the fore in the last 20 years. And, you know, there are those um, Zarahawi or Sarawarawi people. What are they called? The Sarahawi. They're in... in Saharawi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I knew you'd be able to tell me how to say it. You know who's always going on about them is old Catherine Constantin. You know, she's been there. I, 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 I don't know if I've told you. My, I've told you my. Have Have I told you my Western Sahara? No. United Nations, nineteen seventy-five, when Morocco invaded. Mm -hmm. uh, Morocco invaded uh, the Western Sahara. General Franco. It was the Spanish Sahara. General Franco fell. It vacuumed. Morocco moved in. So did Mauritania. But the Polisario Front kicked the shit out of Mauritania very quickly. And the Mauritanians, who I'm not being, I'm not being very, I'm taking my journalistic license here, are known as the cowards of the Maghreb. They reckon if there's a bomb explosion, it's probably Algerians set it off. But the person hiding under the table will be the Mauritanian. Anyway, they said, we, we, we realized, we didn't realize you wanted your country so badly. And they got out. But there I was, correspondent to the United Nations, 25 years old with all the accumulated wisdom that one has yeah. at that stage. And I said to my fellow correspondents, mustering, as I say, all the wisdom I had, oh, well, here we have uh, the Western Sahara. Polisaria are doughty fighters. They will get Morocco out within months. Uh-huh. East Timor, I'm not going to make a pronouncement. I don't know about East Timor. Where did I find the modesty not to know about East Timor? But believe me, Namibia, those Boers, <laughs> they'll never let it go. Trust me on this one, guys. Take it to the bank. Well, history showed me, history to be 100% wrong. Yeah. Some years I was invited to uh, Morocco by the Moroccan ambassador. And I went to see it, and it was so like apartheid South Africa, I just couldn't believe it. With people talking about, you know, how the Sahara, we are not ready for it. Exactly like they had go-lighters that would come, uh, again, to the United Nations. They put up people, black South Africans, who'd come and say, listen, whatever you want, you're saying about uh, apartheid, 
it's working. And, you know, we black South Africans are not ready to take over the country. Uh, and I thought when I, when I heard these Sahrawi that the, the Moroccans fronted for me, wow, you know, I've heard this before, deja vu all over again. I went and I did the story. The Moroccans have never spoken to me since. Wow. But the Sahrawi came and said, we don't like, we don't like what you wrote. I said, well, if I'm, I'm in trouble with the Moroccans and with you, it seems to be, I'm in, the right place, you know, for a journalist. But they made me go, or they took me to the camps, and I've been to the Sahrawi camps several times, yeah. and I've, I've 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 never met a people like this. Never met them, and uh, so so you know, my my heart is very much with that cause. The Moroccans are so so like apartheid South Africa. They don't give a toss for international opinion because they backed up by France, just yeah. as we were backed up by the United States and France and Britain during the apartheid era. Mm -hmm. And now we have Donald Trump. And I've got to say his name now because in 20 days' time, people will have forgotten him. But Donald Trump makes a deal with Mohammed VI and says, we will recognize Moroccan sovereignty over Western Sahara. Now, that's flying in the face of international law, breaking the agreement they had with other permanent members of the Security Council, flying in the face of international opinion. And in order, and, and having done that, he gets a deal between Morocco and Israel. It's second prize. They wanted a deal. He wanted to go out with a deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Normalization. Right. Not going to happen. So they thought, well, I'll take second prize. So this is a man, you know, who spent his life gambling and losing money on casinos. So he's lost his money on this play. Now Polisario is saying, cool. As we know, I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. The Mor they, they have been... Uh, uh, mounting a protest, blockading the road out of the Western Sahara uh, so that Moroccan trade can't move into West Africa. So the Moroccans then broke this, the ceasefire. Remember, 75, the invasion, they mm -hmm. fought a war. And Morocco was armed by apartheid South Africa. When you go there, you see all the apartheid equipment, panard cars, uh, all sorts of things that the, the Sahrawi have seized from the Moroccans. And anyway, the, so there they have it. And uh, they they made a truce in 91, and the Moroccans retreated behind a sand wall where they've hidden all these years. Uh, but they've managed to maintain control over some of it, a very repressive control. Now it's Polisario saying, great, you've broken the ceasefire. That's over. We're going to come back, and we are going to take this territory from you. So they've got to make a whole new peace, but they're not doing that at this time. Now, Algeria, which is the backers of the uh, Sahrawi, their president, Abdel Majid Tarboun, he went to Germany two months ago, not yeah. well at all. And now there's pictures of him looking pretty bleak, actually, saying, I'm coming home shortly. The Algerians are thinking, whoa, because, you know, they did have their president, Abdelaziz Bouteflika, yes. get very, very ill, and but hold on to power and getting very ill. He's been – so that, that whole area, you know, the Maghreb, which is on the doorstep of Europe and has the potential to be uh, such a, an important trading block, is now rent apart by this, uh, the behavior of Morocco, as usual, and uh, we hope to see some stability restored there. But in the meantime, the United Nations and others are going to have to tryst with the Polisario and try to get Morocco promised, promised as part of the ceasefire to have a referendum on self-government for the Western Sahara. 
and they've delayed it and denied it. And uh, sure. the one thing they can do, again, like the apartheid government, is hang on and hang on and hang on. And they fooled a lot of people. Well, uh, they've got Donald Trump in tow, but I don't know what, what's going, what Joe Biden's going to do. Is he going to persist with this illegal line that Donald Trump has taken? Donald Trump, I don't think minds. He got a deal. Yeah. He's got some, he's, some he's, headline. He's he on his way out. Yeah. Uh, so, but he's created a, a headache. Yeah. So JJ. Absolutely. Um, it also is a very hard, you know, it's an ugly part of the world to try and fight in because as you point out, there's just desert everywhere you look and it's very hard to wage a, you know, pitched battle in that place. And they're, they're not doing that. It's essentially guerrilla warfare, but behind sand rather than behind trees, um, and, and rocks and, and, it's a it's a very complex situation that's unlikely to be resolved in the next uh, year or two, let alone five years. You you spoke about how you were back there in the in the nineteen seventies and eighties and and looking at it then. Uh, do you think that Morocco can keep up this game for much longer? I mean, they they still have allies clearly. Well, they do. They have the French backing them, but the French back them only because if the if the king falls, what happens to the rest of Morocco? You know, the Moroccan. One of the reasons why the Moroccans can't actually take on the Sahrawi uh, demonstration is that the Moroccan soldiers don't have bullets in their guns. <laughs> Because the king is afraid that if he gives the soldiers bullets, next thing they're going to be they'll use they're going to be have a, have a mutiny, and they'll use them on him. So this is the situation there. It's 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 fraught. You know, I mean, I remember driving uh, from one area from the camps, which are in actually in Algeria, uh, the refugee camps, into the uh, f- liberated part of Western Sahara, driving for a full day. And I mean, I, I thought I'd be, that would be the end of me, you know. The driver, they, they've got a road or a path which has a tractor tire or a truck tire sticking out of the sand every 500 meters so you can check ahead with your binoculars and, 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 and find the road. Wow. And I said to my driver at one point, but I, I can't see, I can't see a, um, a truck tire ahead. Are we going in the right direction? And he said to me, you know, that truck tire road is for sissies. This is the way you've got to go. Oh, wow. My <laughs> so God. Now, this is the kind of adventure. Oh, fantastic. This is why I love hearing from you because you've actually been there. You've seen it. You've been along these uncharted roads. It's beautiful. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible story, but I do feel for the Sahari people. And I know we've spoken about them before. Um, JJ Cornish, of course, is with us. If you've just come in this morning and you're, and you're listening to him explaining the story in Morocco and Western Sahara and Algeria, northern, north, Northwestern Africa, which is such a complicated place. But he's also got some news on um, Northeastern Africa, and we'll talk about Ethiopia in just a second. Just to remind you, all of this is made possible by the, the Johannesburg Business School, and we'll tell you some more about them. You can also find out more about them by following the links on cliffcentral.com. But Ethiopia has been in the news uh, pretty much nonstop since we started African Analysis with you, JJ, and they continue to be in the news. We know that there is now, now fighting that has begun um, in, it began in November, you told us, and I see that the battles, the ethnic battles, are increasing. Well, you know, the Tig- Tigrayan battle is an is an ethnic battle. The Tigrayans, of course, are small groups, one of the smaller groups, but they held an enormous amount of political power. In fact, under the military government, they were they sort of ran the show, and so they re- very much resented Abi Ahmed coming in. Uh, with these Oromo people. On the fourth day, attacked the government, uh, uh, a military base, and Abi Ahmed believed uh, that he had to literally crush them 
which, uh, you know, when you use phrases like crush and, and Nobel Peace Prize laureate in the same sentence, you'll understand the kind of uh, irony that is occurring in that country. He's made a trip now to Chibok, they, uh, to, to Chibok, I'm sorry, to Tigray. And uh, there, there we talk about uh, uh, him saying that, you know, we, we, we've won this. But the Tigrayans every now and again, they fire rockets into neighboring Eritrea just to show that they're still in charge. Now we have Abdullah Hamdok, who is the Sudanese Prime Minister. He's the first foreign leader to uh, visit Tigray since the fighting started. And he's saying that IGAD, that seven-member East uh, and Horn of Africa grouping, will have a special summit on this. The United States, the uh, United Nations, both calling for uh, peace in Tigray and for uh, Abi Ahmed to behave like a Nobel Peace Prize laureate and talk peace, not to talk about crushing this uh, uh, insurgency as he sees it. But the, the fighting between ethnic groupings in uh, Ethiopia is continuing all the time. And, and that, you know, with, with what's happening in Tigray occurring, uh, there's a, it, 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 you're not going to have peace and stability in the country, mm. by the way, that had the fastest growing economy in the world. That's right. Ethiopia was Africa's success story. Now we're talking about there's a shadowy massacre uh, in, in Tigray, and uh, the, that could be the tip of the iceberg. Uh, security forces attacking civilians, uh, using machetes, ropes to uh, string people up with, you know, oh. so that sort of thing happening. And, and it's not going to stop until Abi Ahmed actually starts talking with the Tigrayan leadership, and he's refusing to do this. Well, there's no shortage of drama as we approach the end of this year, and we've had our fair share of it um, in Africa, but J.J. Cornish has always got his finger on the pulse of what's going on. Africanalysis is uh, something that we are going to be doing every every couple of weeks. It's every two weeks or so, and uh, J.J. gives us an update on all the most important stories from the rest of our own home continent. J.J. Cornish, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you, sir, and thank you for sharing your insights with us. This morning and every other time that we have African analysis, it's brought to you by the Joburg Business School. And JJ, if we don't see you before Christmas, happy Christmas and New Year. Joyeux Noël et bonne année. Merci, c'est gentil. Thank you, JJ Cornish. Everybody, what a what an excellent guy to speak to, and uh, to get the the latest insights from. So there he is. I don't know what that was at the end, but it sounded good. So happy Christmas and uh, happy New Year. Cliffcentral.com